Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we're doing something a little different, um, mostly because I don't know or didn't know a whole lot about it before we decided to do this episode. Eric has kind of been experimenting with it. Um, but I decided to do an episode about grimoires and Eric also pointed out to kind of talk about book of shadows and what the difference is too, because Eric has been actually starting to work on his own grimoire and you probably know more about this than I do just from reading about it and starting it. But, um, I guess I'll let you kind of talk about what, a grimoire is to start out with, and we'll kind of move into what the difference between the two are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of hours over the last probably four, well, probably like five or six months reading, watching YouTube videos, all that jazz to figure out what exactly both of these things are and how you can, one can incorporate them into their, you know, daily, uh, tasks, I guess. Um, and so a grimoire is basically a book that contains a number of information regarding magical practices. This could be uh, specific spells, how to perform those spells. It could be uh, the meaning behind various colors and shapes, sigils. Uh, it could be like drawing up and listing different types of herbs and their uses, their properties. Same with crystals. So it's really a a really drawn out full guide uh, to the practice, your personal practice. Uh, it's almost like a textbook in a way. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I actually had found this and, and we'll go over this a little bit more in just a minute, but I found the top 10 grimoires mm -hmm. that have been published. Okay. Um, but uh, so <clears throat> For the most part, grimoires are they they come from magic users basically. Mm -hmm. Um what I could only find though is a mention of black magic, but I think there's grimoires mm -hmm. for all face of magic, right? Well, I mean there is nowadays, but for some reason grimoire it, grimoire is a very broad term uh which basically it means like spell workings or book of spell workings. Uh, the, the book of shadows is relatively a recent, uh, 
interpretation of a book, which is a, by the way, the book of shadows is a much more personable, a personal, uh, account of your personal workings. So it's almost like a journal. Uh, and of course we'll get into more of that later, but grimoires over the years have often been used or the word has been used to label various documents or books on black magic, dark magic, demonology, uh, how to summon various types of spirits, things like that. Uh, it wasn't until recent times that really the grimoire has kind of spread its wings a bit, if you will, and drifted away from black magic and started, you know, people started using it for other, their other practices, white magic, um, hedge magic, chaos magic, all, all kinds of different, all the different branches of magic. Uh, but still, when, when you think of grimoire, or at least most people think of grimoire it does when you look at the history lean way back to darker times in the history of early witchcraft um and even satanism i should say devil worship specifically right so one that we have kind of talked about um isn't on the bestseller list actually but we've talked about this in depth is the the key of solomon that is basically a grimoire of Solomon. It's my favorite grimoire. Yes, <laughs> I know. I have this. Uh, I've got this weird fascination uh, with the lesser key of Solomon specifically. Now, I own the greater key and the lesser key, uh, and in total, I think there's seven books um, of of the keys. Uh, the greater key, the lesser key, and there's a number of others. But most of these copies, like the greater key, the lesser key, actually have these other versions incorporated into them. Mm-hmm. Now, the lesser key is my my favorite. It's kind of creepy, and it's nothing that I've practiced, but I've enjoyed the research of it. I've, it was the very first book I picked up back in 2009, right before, or 2008, I think, right before my big demonic oppression, mm-hmm. affliction thing. And I think that book is part of what did it and so the lesser key uh is it, it's a book written by alistair crowley primarily mm. uh who tells us how to uh, perform various magical rituals what type of sigils and seals to use to conjure up trap and ultimately demand the bidding of demonic entities uh, and this lesser key also goes through the various types of demons in their hierarchy, what they control, the legions they control, what they can do, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea behind it was, in his opinion, this is what King Solomon would have used to seal his temple, right? Yeah, well, so there is this moment in in history in which King Solomon, now King Solomon was known to be the wisest person to ever live. Uh, and that was something that was bestowed upon him by God uh, because God had basically asked him if there's one thing in the world that he could have, what would it be? And he asked for wisdom. And so God gave him wisdom and then all these riches on top of it because he loved the answer so much. Uh, but basically what happened is Solomon, uh, well, he ended up having a thousand concubines. That's a lot of women. And a lot of these women came from other, um, you know, other, other regions that practiced other types of uh, religions, different types of sorcery, things like that, that drew him away from God and into some of these practices. And so there's a moment within the Bible 
uh, called this, uh, I think it was the song of Solomon, uh, where he's going through this dark time where he drifted away from God and he got into practicing some other things that weren't, uh, that weren't <clears throat> viewed by God as being kosher, right? They weren't godly things. And so it's believed that because of his wisdom, he ended up creating a specific ring and got into, uh, you know, because of his wisdom, learned how to conjure up various angels and demons and then use them for various tasks. Uh, now, whether or not that's 100% accurate, that's up in the air. I don't know of any significant texts that say that. Um, we just know that there was a dark time for Solomon and that possibly he delved into this kind of stuff. So there's there is a a book in here that includes Solomon but it isn't keys of Solomon. Okay. Um but I'll start from the beginning. The the first one on this list is actually the 6th and 7th books of Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh although one of the more recent grimoires first circulating in the man, in manuscript in the 18th century this has to be number one for the breadth of its influence. From Germany, it spread to America via the, via the Pennsylvanian Dutch, and once in cheap print, was subsequently adopted by African Americans. With its pseudo uh, Hebraic mystical symbols, spirit conjurations, and psalms, this book of the secret wisdom of Moses was a founding text for Rastafarianism and various religious movements in West Africa, as well as a cause celebre. I guess that's what the word is pronounced uh, in post-war Germany. Um, now, I'm guessing that these books are a part of the Apocrypha and aren't included in the Bible. Um, or could those the sixth and seventh books of Moses actually be interpreted as a grimoire? Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's a that's a tough say. I need to do a little more research as to what the sixth and seventh books of Moses are, um, because obviously there are quote unquote books of Moses, but they're not called the books of Moses in the Bible. Uh, but the books that were specifically about Moses and. You know, you think of like Exodus and things like that, yeah. uh, in which it specifically is about Moses and Aaron, his brother. Uh, so it's most likely, though, if it's on this list, then this is part of an apocrypha that may not even be part of the apocrypha, right? So there are a number of texts out there uh, that are apocrypha, uh, that are apocrypha that were not recognized by the Catholic Church. So you can actually, in fact, there are many Catholic Bibles that contain all the apocrypha uh, that they allowed. But there are a few that don't exist, such as maybe the books of Moses, the book of Enoch doesn't actually exist as one of them. Uh, the book of Mary Magdalene doesn't exist as one of them. The book of Jesus uh, doesn't exist as one of them. But these are all books that people claim they have found, or, or not even claim, but that have been found in archaeological sites, but they haven't been recognized by the church as being significant. Uh, so, and of course, the, the big thing here is you got to remember, like the books of Moses and you know, all of these, none of these are actually written by individuals in which the books are about. Mm. Uh, the, you know, many of these things happened hundreds of years or were written hundreds of years after Jesus's uh, death and resurrection. Um, so they're relatively, lack of better words, but relatively recent. In fact, the entire right. Bible is relatively recent. Um, 
So it's hard to say in this case, but my guess is it's most likely uh, going to be some sort of apocrypha, which I have to do more research into it, though. All right. Um, the next one is the clavicle, clavicule of Solomon. Uh, this particular article defines it as the granddaddy of grimoires. Uh, mystical book, books purporting to be written by King Solomon were already circulating in the Eastern Mediterranean during the first few centuries A.D. By the 15th century, hundreds of copies were in the hands of Western scientists and clergymen. While some denounced these Solomon- Solomonic texts as her- her- uh Jeez, I cannot talk today. <laughs> As heretical, many clergymen secretly poured over them. Some had lofty ambitions to obtain wisdom from the wisest of the wise, while others sought to enrich themselves by discovering treasures and vanquishing the spirits that guarded them. So I'm starting to wonder after reading that if that's where Alistair Crowley got his inspiration for the keys. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. Uh, next one is Petite Albert, or translated Little Albert, symbolizes the huge cultural impact of the cheap print revolution of the early 18th century. The floodgates of magical knowledge were opened during the so-called Enlightenment, and the Petite Albert became a name to conjure with across France and its overseas colonies. As well as practical household tips, it included spells to catch fish, charms for healing, and instructions on how to make a hand of glory, which would render one invisible. That'd be cool. <laughs> if it <laughs> if it was real, which sometimes I wonder if there's invisible people, not necessarily ghosts walking around us, but... Yeah, rabbit trail. Um so how do we feel about people who claim to be um, shapeshifters? Because I've been coming across a lot of people on TikTok and then just within like Google and stuff of people who claim to be shapeshifters and one person in particular, I don't know if you sent it or if I just saw it today on TikTok, but somebody claimed that she shapeshifts into a cat. And I don't know if this is like a literal thing she believes or if this is a symbolic thing she believes. And it's starting to weird me out because I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Kind of like the people in Wisconsin and Minnesota. There are some in North Dakota that identify as cats. That kind of a thing you're thinking? I mean, maybe. You know, I mean, remember all those years ago we had the or I don't know if we had them on. I can't remember. It's years ago. But the werewolf people. Who claim to be werewolves? I mean, that would have been like a Night Stalkers that thing. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember doing it, an you episode don't with that? them. So I mean, I think I remember uh, seeing an seeing an email or, or chatting with them or something, but I don't remember doing an interview with them. Okay, so maybe that's what it was. But it, I mean, that was way back. But it's becoming more and more popular. And of course, this is something maybe we will talk about this in the future because I need, I want to do a lot more research on it and understand. Why is it becoming popular? People claiming to, you know, transform into cats or dogs or other animal birds is a big one. Um, it's just interesting. Sorry. Well, we no, um, I'm glad you bring that up because there is a guy that I follow on TikTok who says he was from the military. I, I don't know what branch, but that he was experimented on and mm-hmm. that he is a 
shapeshifter. Um, he's done videos of his eyes. Suppose I'm going to say supposedly because I don't know if you know if it's real or if it's just entertainment on TikTok. Um, where his eyes turn to slits, like mm-hmm. reptilian. Um, mm-hmm. his face morphs a little bit. Um, he also claims to have a neural link already, even though supposedly they're not even available to the public right now. Uh, do you know what the neural link is? I do not. This is by, uh, Mr. Tesla himself. Of course. Who is basically saying implant a chip into the human brain. They would cut out a small piece of skull and implant this, um, and basically do what pretty much any science fiction novel you can think of has claimed that we would be controlling electronics and everything else with thought, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, that would be cool, but I don't know if I feel good about somebody <laughs> implanting a chip. Like, there's a lot of things that can go bad there. Right. It's got a bug. Well, I mean, it's but probably it's an AI system, too. Also, to help with diagnosis, like, it would be constantly monitoring body uh, chem- chemistry and everything else, too. Yeah. So, Oh, this person had a seizure. I wonder why. Oh, it's probably the chip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but But uh, if I would be able to get him on, if uh, he'd be willing, that would be a good episode. Because maybe we need to talk to people who say that they're shapeshifters or yeah. have been experimented on. Because we don't see the whole story. 100%. All right. episode. Back to the top 10. Uh, the Book of St. Cyprian. I've never heard of St. Cyprian, so I'm not really sure. Uh, but uh, supposedly that this was written by them. I'm not sure if it's a him or her. Uh, became popular in Scandinavia during the late 18th century, while in Spain and Portugal print editions of the Libro de San Cipriano included a gazetteer to treasure sites and the magical means to obtain their hidden riches. During the early 20th century, editions began to appear in South America, and copies can can now be purchased from the streets of Mexico City to herbalist stalls high in the Andes. Hmm. Uh, Dragon Rouge is number five. Uh, Just like Petit Albert, the Red Dragon was another product of the French cheap grimoire boom of the 18th century. Although first published in the following century, it was basically a version of the grand grimoire an earlier magic book, which was infamous for including an invocation of the devil and his lieutenants. The dragon Rouge circulated far more widely though, and is well known today in former and current France colonies in the Caribbean. Do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? both <laughs> <laughs> all right the next one is the book of honorius uh books attributed to honorius of thebes were second only to those of solomon in authority in the medieval period it, in keeping with a strong theme in grimoire history there is no evidence that an arch magician named honor honorius lived in antiquity as manuscripts ascribed him ascribed to him stated through prayers and invocations books of honorius game 
gave instructions on how to receive visions of God, hell, and purgatory, and knowledge of all science. Which we've talked about numerous times how science and religion or science and, and magic or science and the paranormal were once one and the same and now mm. are completely separate. Right. Uh, the next one is the fourth book of occult philosophy. Uh, Cornelius Agrippa was one of the most influential occult philosophers of the 16th century. He certainly wrote three books on the occult sciences, but he had nothing to do with the fourth book, which appeared appeared shortly after his death. This book of spirit conjuration blackened the name of Agrippa at a time when the witch trials were being stoked across Europe. The Magus, which I've actually heard of the Magus, published in mm-hmm. 1801 and written by the British occultist and disaster-prone balloonist Francis Bray. The Magus was a restatement statement of 17th century occult science and borrowed heavily from an English edition of the fourth book of occult philosophy. It was a flop at the time, but its influence was subsequently considered on the occult revival of the late 19th century and contemporary magic traditions. In early 20th century, a plagiarized version produced by an American occult entrepreneur and entitled the great book of Magical art, Hindu magic, and East Indian occultism became much sought after in the U.S. and the Caribbean. Here's one that I believe is false because it's a hundred percent false, but it's got a huge following. <laughs> the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, apparently, this was in H.P. Lovecraft's works but we know it from the evil dead series um but basically it's the book of the dead is pretty much what it is uh an evil version of the book of the dead and then lastly it actually brings up the book of shadows and this is a book that is primarily found in wicca and this is where we can kind of transition because I found this interesting, but your definition is a little bit different than what is online. Um, because basically online it says it, it's a religious text for Wiccans and it, yes, it is like what you're saying, kind of a mix of, uh, magic religious practice and kind of a journal type thing, but it really attributes it mostly to Wicca. Right. Yeah. So the Book of Shadows specifically is more so a Wiccan practice. So the many covens all have a single Book of Shadows that are passed down from member to member. Uh, and then when new members are initiated, they're given the opportunity to look into the Book of Shadows and use it themselves. The biggest difference between the Book of Shadows and the Grimoire is that the Book of Shadows is much more personable, much more personable as opposed to the Grimoire. Because again, the Grimoire is primarily a guiding textbook on the magic that you're performing. Whereas the book of shadows, you're it's basically a journal. It's like a magic journal where you're writing uh, what you did for magic, what the response was, what the outcome was, how you felt about it, whether it worked or didn't work, things like that. Uh, I think nowadays really though, primarily both the book of shadows and the grimoire for most people, 
because most most practitioners of witchcraft uh they're they're secluded they're they're kind of lone practitioners they don't have covens covens aren't as popular these days mm-hmm. as they once were um and of course if you go online you'll find a number of covens through youtube and stuff like that because there's plenty of witchcraft uh magic practice gosh plenty of practitioners online who practice magic uh who have online covens that you can join um so really though these the book of shadows and the grimoire have kind of become interchangeable because both have become relatively broad terms and people use both terms to kind of write in or draw up the same information most of the time. Uh, but historically speaking, yes, the book of shadows is primarily a Wiccan tradition, whereas the grimoire was more demonology and darker types of practices uh, or teachings. I was going to say, yeah, they're kind of used synonymously now. Mm-hmm. The Book of Shadows and, and the Grimoire. Yeah. So something I found, which I don't, again, I don't know if you found this, but I found a wiki how on how to make your own personal Book of Shadows. That um, was one of the things that I came across over did, the months. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go over a whole lot of it. Um, I'll leave a, a link for you guys, but it basically just goes through everything. Make a table of contents. Um make a statement of your beliefs, make a log of spells and rituals and dates that you used them. And uh, it kind of goes on and on. And basically for the last part is protect your book of shadows. Don't look let anybody else basically look at it is what it's saying. Now, if you're in a coven, like Eric said, of course you can share it with your coven if you would like, but it's really, more meant for you than not to get anything on it or, you know, like food, water, whatever. Right. The the primary reason why, I mean, there there are quite a few people that say that it's the book of shadows is something you keep to yourself. And it's because it, because it's a journal uh, or like a diary, it's supposed to be very personal to you and share your experiences. Uh, So it's something you may not want other people to see, especially if they're super personal things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not to say that it can't be shared. You know, that's something that's just kind of like you take with a grain of salt. Uh, regardless of whether it's a book of shadows or a grimoire, yes, you should protect it. You know, there are many ways. I mean, you can just keep it tucked away on your bookshelf, leave it at that. But of course, there are plenty of practitioners who are going to want to bless it, who are going to want to sage it, who are going to want mm-hmm. to keep it safe and all that, you know, like that. The other thing is, and again, Justin will have that link. But you don't have to follow everything word for word. To the like, letter, right. Right. Like my Grimwire is also a book of shadows. I chose Grimwire just because I like the word Grimwire more. It made more <laughs> sense on my page because instead of writing this big thing called Book of Shadows, which to me the Book of Shadows and maybe I'll upset some people, but it's just very fictional to me. It's been used so many times in the movies, TV shows that when I think of the Book of Shadows, I think, you know, um, Hocus Pocus. And I didn't like that in my mind. I wanted Grimoire. Plus, it gave me more room to put my protection sigil uh, on the front page as well. But then instead of doing something like uh, a table of contents, which I'm not going to do, I don't need a table of contents because 
if you're doing a table of contents, then you need to leave enough space on all of your pages to provide the room that you need necessary over the coming months or years to add more to it. Whereas if you just write it like a journal, you, I mean, you can flip through it, mm. find what you need and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and I also didn't do a personal, was it like a beliefs page or something? Um, just a, yeah, a statement of your beliefs. Statement of your beliefs, yeah. Which I ended up doing a dedication in mine. Uh, I think they're more or less the same thing because my dedication basically covers my beliefs. Um, but then it also, I also wrote in a promise basically to myself in regards to what this grimoire is going to do for me. Uh, and I think it's more or less the same thing, only with the Book of Shadows, maybe you're not adding in the dedication to yourself or the promise. You're just writing what you believe. And, and this is the other thing. Like You can write what you believe. I think it's important. But your beliefs are going to change probably over time. In fact, I follow a number of different witches, uh, quote-unquote witches, on YouTube. And there have been a couple who have changed their practices over the course of three, four, five years. They start off as a hedge witch and then they move into something else. There was a Wiccan who moved away from uh, the Wiccan practice and got into uh, folk magic, you know, mm. so it changes in for, for a lot of people. So that's something to keep in mind when you're writing this. Now, a good thing that you could do, because you can write, you know, your journal can be anything or your book of shadows, your grimoire. Uh, I keep mine in a leather bound I'm writing mine in a leather bound journal. You can also write it in a spiral notebook. You can write it on loose, loose leaves and punch holes in it, put it in a binder. Uh, so if you wanted to do something like that with a binder, then it allows you to go in, take things out, put things in, make as many changes as you want without worrying about, Oh shoot, what do I do? Like I already had this information at the front. I can't change it without crossing stuff out or tearing out pages. So that is an option. Or if you go the computer route, which in this day and age is probably Mm -hmm. a thing, um, Mm -hmm. you can use a software like Scrivener and move pages around and you don't have to worry about that part either. And then just print out when you're done. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of practitioners who use their computer now or just store it on a computer. It's a safe place. You don't have to worry about people most of the time uh, getting in there and seeing stuff. I personally find it irrelevant, not irrelevant. I, I don't like it myself because it's, then you have to have your computer open as you're performing a ritual or a spell or whatever. Um, there's a chance that if for whatever reason, for whatever reason, your computer gets destroyed, screwed up, whatever you lose all that information. Uh, and I just like the feel of having it in a physical copy of a book, but I also love books. So having the physical copy is important to me. Um, but again, it's to each their own. Well, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that write like how I do now, where I'll write it down on paper first and then I'll type it in. And right. that could be a good way to have both just in case one or the other gets destroyed. Yeah. And that's actually one important thing that I sh- sh- we should bring up here is because whatever you put in your book of shadow or your grimoire, you want it to be more or less perfected, right? So you don't want to be going in there like a normal journal, like my personal journal that I write on a, I'd say a weekly basis. I write in uh, trying to up that 
but you know, personal journal, which is basically just my thoughts, experiences, things like that. Uh, there's so many like scratches and things crossed out and misspellings and all that stuff. It's just because it, it doesn't matter. It's just your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, a grimoire or a book of shadows is something much more personable. Uh, this is something that should be easy to go back and look into. Should you need it, use it as reference. So what you should do is when you're coming up with your spells or you're coming or you're learning like things that you want to add into it, uh, write it down on a separate sheet of paper first, perfect what you want. And then once you have everything you want listed, then copy it over into your book of shadows or your grimoire so that it's exactly the way it needs to be. And I actually do that with my dedication. I, I ended up writing it on a scrap sheet and it was like three sentences, a ton of scra- scratching out. <laughs> Two more sentences, more scratching out than rewriting stuff. Cause it's just like there were things that weren't flowing or fitting. And I wanted to make sure that when, not that anyone is going to look into it, but when I look into it and read it, it's basically a prayer, my dedication, more or less. And I wanted it to be like, it looks good. It sounds good. It's what I needed, what I wanted. Period. Well, I'll read this part before we go to break here uh the right a statement of your beliefs and then mm. you can kind of determine if it matches what you, what you wrote so set the tone for your book with a personal declaration of your convictions this step is optional but beginning your book of shadows with a statement of your beliefs can establish your intentions for the book what do you believe in what Will the spells in your book be used for? This is an optional step, and there's no specific way to go about it, but beginning your book of shadows with a statement of your beliefs can set an intention for the pages that follow. If you're handwriting your book of shadows, consider writing your statement for beliefs in pencil so you can erase if you make a mistake. Better yet, draft your statement on scrap paper first and then transfer it into your book once it's ready, like you just mentioned. If you're not sure where to begin with your statement of beliefs, these questions and more can help you get a better sense of your convictions so you can put them on paper. Who is your patron gods or goddesses, if any? Do you follow the Wiccan read or the threefold law? Do you believe in spell casting or only in ritualistic worship? That's it. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, there's a lot of information and all information that I think will ultimately change for a lot of people. I kept mine pretty, pretty straightforward. My, my, my journal, I think is only like a seven by five. Maybe it's like an eight by five, um, inch paper. So pretty small. Um, and my dedication fits on about half of one page. doesn't need to be anything crazy. It doesn't need to be drawn out. You get it if you want. Um, but it was very to the very much to the point too. Um, I mean, I could tell you, I mean, you guys all know that I believe in the God of the Bible. So there's mm. no like surprise there. And so I kind of started it. I started it off with that, you know, stating, you know, God, who he is to me, um, you know, the creator, the alpha, and the omega, uh, and one of my core beliefs is that, and I wrote this specifically word for word, is that just as the spirit lives in me, so too do I believe that all things live by the spirit. And in essence, that is more or less the God of the Bible. At least what I've been taught, what I learned, what I believe. Uh, 
So, you know, I, it really just depends again. Yeah. On, on what your beliefs are, they should be core beliefs. You know, you don't need to get crazy. Like, Oh, I believe in, you know, these deities here. And then I kind of believe in this goddess, maybe. So I'll write her in there too. I mean, if it's not certain, if it's not 100%, don't write it. Uh, in my opinion, if you want to, you know, you do you, but, um, make sure they're core beliefs. All right. So, we're about at that point, so we're going to take a quick break. We've been talking about grimoires and books of shadows. We're going to keep going with it, uh, but we'll be right back right after this. Did you know that as a small business owner, placing a video on a landing page can increase conversion rate by 80% and increase online sales by up to 60%? Most production companies will charge more than $2,000 for a 30-second video. And let's face it, as a small business owner, that's a lot of money. My name is Eric Skerbeck, and you know me as one of the voices behind Truth Radio. However, I'm also the owner of Finicky Fox Productions, a video production company that delivers high-quality video content on a budget. I offer both full production and specialized services at a third of the cost of most without hindering the quality that will set you apart from your competitors. Whether you need help from initial idea to final render or individual services like writing, filming, editing, or sound design, Finicky Fox Productions has you covered. So check us out at finickyfoxproductions.com and let's tell your story. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. I'm Justin. And we are discussing the Book of Shadows and Grimoires. Whether or not they're the same. I guess that's it. I can say whether or not they're the same or different, but I guess by saying whether or not they're the same indicates they, they could be different. <laughs> right? So <laughs> I don't know where I why I ramble on. I don't anyway. <laughs> Well, let's go. You had mentioned a couple of things that you're you had just started putting into your your grimoire. So, um, you had mentioned some meditations that you've used. Um, what are some of your other intentions to be writing in there? Yeah, so I mean, it's very new. I just started it uh, the week of this recording. So, you know, to begin with, and mine again, it's not organized it's not going to be organized it's going i'm going to write it as i feel i want to write stuff um so for starters is a meditation a meditation that works specifically for myself it's something i've had really good results in with uh in regard to just calming my mind uh calming my anxiety and then just the feeling that i get the things that i see when i meditate uh on this it's called the pause meditation it's actually from I can't think of her name offhand, but it's from a book uh, of an author that we had on several months ago. Uh, and I just really, I fell in love with it. I use it on almost a, probably like four or five times a week, probably four times a week on average. Uh, so it's the first thing that I'm putting in there uh, because it is important to me. Other things I'm going to be adding are, of course, the colors of various candles and their meanings, because I do like uh, quote-unquote candle magic. They're very simple, straightforward. It's simply taking a color of some sort. For example, black, a black candle uh, is representative is representative of cleansing, of reading 
dark spirits and negativity. Uh, so if you were to light a black candle while imagining um, that negativity disappearing, then you're basically doing just that, right? Because when it comes to the craft, it's very similar to just, uh, you know, what you believe you shall receive. You know, it's like putting the energy out into the universe. And that's how it is with a lot of things. I mean, even scripturally, scripturally based, uh, we, you know, I've talked about that in the past. So colors of various candles and their meanings, um, various stones that I've used crystals, uh, that are good, like meaningful for me and what they've done. So things like, uh, uh, big one is uh, obsidian, black obsidian, Mm -hmm. how that works and you know, how I use it. Uh, I'm also going to do things like various types of herbs. So sage, frankincense, um, you know, various items like that, the meaning behind feathers or, different types of animals, that kind of stuff. Those are the things I'm going to be putting in there. And then of course, with side notes of like, I call, I'll call them wisdom bits or knowledge bits, just things that can help me progress spiritually. And then also in my everyday practice. Uh, Another big one is of course, sigils. I want to add sigils because I create my own sigils. Um, I've considered using pre-made sigils, but they don't feel as personal to me. And therefore they don't, they don't have the same power as if I were to draw them out myself, right? Because as you're drawing, you're placing energy into the sigil. That's not for everybody. That's okay. You know, uh, many people like the cross. They, they wear the crucifix. You know, if, you, if you're Christian, some people like the pentagram. If you're Wiccan, you prefer, uh, or I should say the pentacle. Um, you know, those are symbols that are very much meaningful and they have a history of meaning behind them and they are still sigils. Uh, in a way. So, and they both have power in my mind. I believe that too, but I like to take it beyond that. And so, you know, one of my personal favorite sigils that I've done uh, and that I use regularly actually is a sigil of protection, which is also a sigil of my beliefs of my, of my God. And it's a play off of the cross with a bunch of other things added in and their meaning behind it, such as uh, the Trinity and the fingerprint of God and stuff like that. Uh, it's like an ultimate symbol of God for me. Um, but yeah, so those are the types of things I'm going to be putting in there. Uh, probably will end up adding stuff like um, if I perform some sort of, I don't know, we'll call it a spell, I guess you know, see how it works and then go from there and add that in as well. Cause my grimoire is less of a, uh, definitive grimoire and more of like a cross between grimoire book of shadows. So that's what I want it to be. I want it to be informational information. Yeah, that's right. Informational (laughs) for myself, but I also want it to, to be personable, uh, for my everyday living. Okay. Well, and as we saw, I mean, people have put recipes and stuff like that in there because Mm -hmm. in a sense, cooking or or creating soup or whatever is kind of a spell work in and of itself. It It just depends on if you're having that belief into it or not. But uh, I, I had seen somebody who had recently posted a video that said, you know, making soup is basically 
spell work. You have a cauldron. You're throwing a bunch of ingredients together. Now, granted, you're eating what's coming out of it. That's not to say doing a spell, you can't do that because there are yeah. people that do spells with food and then eat it, it for those eating, things. Yeah, doing something like eating eating a spell. Um, <laughs> you know, in this case, you know, I, I think it's interesting that they said that because it's right off the bat, it's taken out of context. Because making soup isn't a spell, period. But it can be if you put intention behind everything that you do and the ingredients you choose. Um, now, if you look up the meaning behind chicken, for example, you'll find some significant meanings behind chicken. Uh, and so if you're like putting the ingredients together as you're chopping, as you're mixing, all that stuff, you need to place intention into it. And then eating it is really no different than... Uh, doing what is called, or at least what I call the, the, the burn release, right? So there's this idea that when creating a spell or a sigil, which is very popular in this sense, uh, you will create it like a candle. Okay. We'll go back to this black candle again, right? So let's say you take a black candle. We know the black candle represents, uh, the cleanse, cleansing, getting rid of negative mm. energies and stuff like that. Uh, maybe you roll it in some black salt which is basically a mix of ceremonial ash um sea salt and then um charcoal and so you mix that up you roll the candle out in there now you just added to its power symbolically because which is salt uh, or black salt is more or less the same thing as a black candle or at least that's what it represents get rid of negative energies and then you put an intention into it. Like this candle is going to rid my house of negative energies. Uh, it's going to bring in white fulfilling light. It's going to calm my mind, calm my soul. You light it to kind of ignite the spell. And then you let it burn out all the way down until there's nothing left. And once it's burned out, the spell is fully activated. Same thing happens with the sigil. You want to put intention to it, into it, create it, release it. And by releasing it, you, there's a number of ways of doing it. You can bury it in the ground or what's more popular is you can create your sigil, put intention into it and then burn it. Let it turn to ash and let it fly off or don't burn it. Just let it fly off. Let the wind take it. Uh, so when you're doing something with soup, it's the same thing when you're eating it. It's kind of like burning it or releasing it. You want to consume it to kind of get it activating and then your spell activated. Well, same concept of drinking a potion or tincture as well. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all interconnected. It's I mean, there are some very complex things in terms of spells. And by no means am I, I am not a pro or whatever you want to call <laughs> it. Like I am very much an amateur, and I'm learning. Uh, but we've had people on, and I know we're going to have people on in the future who are much more qualified to give you better information and who have books on that kind of stuff. Um, but nonetheless, it's not as scary as one might think. And it's really nothing, for the most part, can go wrong so long as you're doing things carefully. Like, don't practice black magic if you've never even touched white magic. You know, don't summon, don't summon a demon. Period. <laughs> Just don't do it. 
they're tricky. You know, there's one thing that I've that I've learned over the years, and actually I came across it online uh, earlier this week, is somebody talking about the the uh, the lesser key of Solomon and what and how Alistair Crowley supposedly uh, summoned these demons and stuff like that, and they put in quotations supposedly had them do the, his bidding. There's no guarantee that you can actually control demons mm-hmm. or angels or ghosts. We've I was going to say spirits mediums. of any kind, right? Yeah, we've had we've had mediums come on, of course, who over the years you've told us, oh, yeah, I have full control, blah, 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 you know, right? But we've also had mediums come on and say, you can't control. And you never really know if you have control. We don't know. We just, we hope that we have control, yeah. basically. Um, and something like a spirit, a human spirit, is significantly different from something that's angelic or demonic. Completely different power, completely different energy fields. It's just my just saying it right now. Don't do it. Just don't do it. It's that simple. But you know, people will do it. Um, but other than that, like for the most part, spell casting is kind of like um, trial and error. You know, so long as you're not creating curses because curses backfire and they will sometimes come back to you. It's just That's how the, it works. Th- the threefold uh, rule that I mentioned. Okay. When I uh, was reading the, the statement of beliefs, it talks about the threefold rule. If you guys don't know what the threefold rule, basically whatever you put out will come back to you threefold. So, mm-hmm. If you're putting out good intentioned spells, those good intent spe- good intention spells will come back to you threefold, and vice versa. If you're sending out black magic, those spells can come back threefold. Which is why, when I mean, you should always protect yourself. Period. No matter if you're doing witchcraft or you're praying or you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever it is, you should always protect yourself. Um, but people who practice black magic specifically protect themselves probably at a higher uh, rate um, than most because, yeah, those things come back to you. Uh, but when you're practicing something that's, quote unquote, white magic or that's good, a blessing type of magic, uh, you really can't go wrong because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it just doesn't, period. Um but you have to determine how it like what does work and what doesn't. And that's something you just kind of learn as you go. For sure. Something that I I wanted to bring up, I've had these these two gals on that wrote a book called Color a Spell, uh okay. when I was doing Beyond Reason. And it's the same concept. You're they give you pages to color, and the the page is a spell in and of itself. But doing the coloring, you're kind of doing a meditation and and putting energy into that spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's a lot of what I'm learning is that it's really based on intention. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm starting to gravitate toward this type. Like, again, I'm still... I guess you can, at this point, you can kind of call me a Christian witch, which is a thing. Right. <laughs> Who knew? Um <laughs> But it, it, it aligns with my obsessive compulsiveness, right? Because I have to have some sort of control. Um, and so being able to meditate and put intention into things, into physical objects. Uh, so in this case, like knot magic, right? The idea being that every knot you tie, you place intention into it. And that'll 
put the energy out into the universe. Um, and you can do that through prayer, you know, Lord, protect me, Lord, do this, Lord, please help with that. You know, um, you, you, you say that as you're doing not tying these knots and it helps to concentrate your focus and put that intention and that energy out into the universe. Uh, that's really what it's about. In fact, I, I'm starting to learn because I, I, for a long time, I just call myself eclectic. I'm an, I'm an eclectic practitioner. I just kind of like do devil with everything. But more and more, I'm starting to learn that I'm actually uh, naturally gravitate toward chaos magic, which is basically the idea that you, whatever magic you're performing, you put belief into it. There's belief behind it. And so it's much more of a mind magic as opposed to using something like fire magic or uh, you know, hedge, hedge magic, stuff like that. Um, and it's one of those things that are just not well known about and tends to be very difficult for a lot of people, uh, to, to perform because we're all just kind of everywhere with our minds, right? Chaotic. So, but again, it's just something you kind of learn and grow as you go. I wonder if that was the idea behind the rosary. You mentioned, tying knots and it, the you know when it, through the catholic belief you have a rosary and you, you go through each one for each prayer that you have kind of a thing and concentrate on that prayer with that bead that you're holding yeah i mean i mean it's very possible i mean when you look at and I, again i'm learning this more and more as my mind is opened and i'm taking in more under I like to, I like to think that God is giving me more wisdom on what's really happening because like in terms of how scripture in this case, or not scripture, but things stated in scripture relates to magic because there's a lot of things in scripture that have been practiced for thousands of years prior to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's the same practice just with a different God in a way. Um, one thing is that, which is common and something you sent me, I think you sent me it. Maybe it, you sent it to me or if I saw it, you'll let me know. Um, there was a person on TikTok who was talking about gemstones, crystals, and how they have power in and of, in and of themselves. Um, and that a lot of Christians have a problem with that. But then when you read the scriptures, you'll see that God gives various people within the Bible gemstones to place within their breastplates um, or to wear around their head or their waist to protect them, to give them strength, all this different stuff. And it's like, well, why would God give them these gemstones and tell them this is what they're for if they didn't really have any actual value? And of course, there's two ways of going about that. One is that the gemstones themselves do have some sort of significant power or it's a type of concentration. Here, here is an item I'm telling you what it does. Now believe in it. And it's kind of like a little cheat code to help you believe in whatever it is, the power that you need. You know, um, one thing I tend to find very difficult sometimes is believing in the strength and power of God himself, because I've never seen God. I felt him. I've seen him work. You know, I've seen prayers come true on the dot when I asked for them, but I've never actually seen him. So when I try to concentrate on him, I don't know what to what to think of. You can't think of, you know, the guy who played Jesus in the Mel Gibson movie, right? Passion of the Christ, because that's just an actor. That don't make sense. And <laughs> I just saw how- something on that that uh, I, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a meme, but basically, I think it was for Easter. Basically, said that uh, 
Jesus did not look like uh, whatever his name is. I can't remember his name is now. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so like when I when I'm like using a stone of some sort, like often black obsidian, I wear my obsidian amulet with the wolf on it. Uh, that's not just the obsidian itself that has power. I believe that it was created by God, and it basically quote unquote lives because of the spirit that was breathed upon it. So I know where it's coming from which gives it its power and energy, but it has that power because God gave it to it. And even if I didn't believe it, it still has power. Um, yeah. Period. <laughs> There's a period there. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to disclose or go over before we sign out? Nope. I don't think so. Okay. All right, folks, that's all we've got for this week for Grimoires and Book of Shadows. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we have Dr. Heather Lynn scheduled to talk about her book, The Anunnaki Connection. And uh, that's an exciting one for us because we, we loved having her on and talking to her. Um, but this one is, uh, this book looks like it's a little bit different. Going to talk about what the Anunnaki are and how they are. I shouldn't say manipulating our world, but have influence in our mm. world. So um, stay tuned for that. We've got a, another bunch of great guests coming up, uh, but stay tuned. Make sure you're tuning in to killerpodcast.com. Make sure you get to paratruth.com and check out all the episodes we have or find us on any platform you get great podcasts until next week where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin and I'm Eric. Peace. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.